Hello and welcome to Hot Girls Code, a podcast all about software development and being a woman in tech. I'm one of your hosts, Lola. And I am your host, Auti. Today is all about teaching you some of the basics of coding. In this episode, we will be explaining some of the fundamentals. We are going to put the fun in fundamentals. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll let myself out. <laughs> yeah, so now Lola's going to leave for the rest of the episode because I don't trust her. Narrowly. You don't need me. <laughs> All she's got you. <laughs> so what are the fundamentals of coding? So these are essential concepts that underpin computer programming, such as how data is stored and referred to, how the computer decides what to do next. We'll also be defining some key terms, including variables, data types, data structures, syntax, and basic logic. And if that sounded just like really confusing words for you, don't stress because we're going to be explaining this at a really basic level. And lastly, we will be discussing some useful tools to use to write code. Let's get into it. To begin with, we wanted to go through three concepts that start to explain some fundamental things you see in code. The first concept we wanted to introduce is the idea of variables. So variables are used to store information in code that can then be changed depending on conditions or information passed to the program. It's kind of like in maths when you use the letters X and Y, even though letters really don't belong in maths. <laughs> but you want to use those letters to represent a number that you don't know yet in a formula. And when you want to use that formula, you substitute in the numbers you want for those variables X and Y to carry out the calculation. So for example, if you're multiplying something by 2, it's 2X, right? And then if we had a computer program to do that calculation, we might have a line of code that says answer equals 2x, where x is the variable that will be assigned a value. So this could be something that's, you know, passed in by the user, or if we wanted to assign that variable in code to always get the same answer, you can set it to x equals, like literally the equal sign, x equals 5. It's easiest to think of variables like a container. You put the information in there to be stored so that it can be used and referred to later. And the nice thing about using variables is just like a container in real life, you can label it with a descriptive name so that these variables can be used and referenced throughout your code. But I feel like the best way to explain this is through an example. So let's say you're writing a computer program that asks someone for their favorite Taylor Swift song and then displays, my favorite song is, and then the song you typed in on the screen. So you need to use a variable to store what they typed in to use that and reference that song later. So you would write code that stores the song name as a variable called song name and then prints out the words, my favorite song is, followed by whatever is stored in the variable song name. I like how in this program, the only song that can be your favorite song is a Taylor Swift one. I feel like it's the type of thing that I would write. I wrote this computer program specially for you, Orti. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. And for those of you who don't know, Orti is obsessed with Taylor Swift. Like she went to her concert in Auckland the night before one of her uni exams. No regrets, no regrets. And you know the moral of the story? I still aced that exam and people thought I would regret that. But hey, who knows how expensive her next concert tickets are going to be? No regrets. <laughs> so that's variables and next we're going to talk about data types. So each variable will typically have a data type which defines what kind of value can be stored in that variable and determines what exactly can be done with that variable. If that sounds a bit confusing just wait till we go through what the data types are and I think it'll clear it up. So like some common ones are numbers also known as integers characters, so like a single letter, 
a string, which is a string of characters, so basically any text. It can be sentences, words, all of that. Um, and a Boolean, which is just true or false. So if we go back to our computer program to display our favorite song, our song name variable would have the data type string because it's going to be holding text. And the reason we have these different data types is because we want to do different things with different types of data. So for example, for numbers, you might want to add, subtract, multiply, you know, perform calculations. But with strings, you probably want to, you know, add them together to form sentences or separate them out to get single letters. Cool. So let's look at an example. Let's say you have a variable that is a number and it's four and you go four plus four. Then the result is going to be eight. Now let's say we have another variable and it's the word cats. If you go cats plus cats, what that's going to do if the data type is string is it's going to combine those two strings together to make cats cats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope we haven't lost you yet. So to do a super quick recap, we have a variable, which is like a box that holds a piece of data that we can then use later on in our program. And that variable will have a data type and that tells us what kind of data it is and what we can do with it. And now, moving on from data types, we're moving on to a slightly similarly worded thing, which is a data structure. So a data structure is the collection of data values organized in a specific way, or specific structure, hence the name. To explain it a bit more, we wanted to talk through a common data structure used in software called an array. An array means multiple of things, like how you would say a dazzling array of diamonds, because we all have that. I always talk about my dazzling array of diamonds. <laughs> Such a common <laughs> phrase. Such a relatable example. <laughs> so an array encoding is a specific way of storing multiple things in a single variable, like multiple diamonds. An array is kind of like a bookshelf. Let's say you have five books on a bookshelf. Each book can be considered its own variable of the data type string because a book is made up of words. And those five books are stored inside an array, aka the bookshelf. So what are some common things you might want to do with a bookshelf? Well, you might want to add a new book or remove one from the shelf. You might want to swap some around, or you might want to go through each book on the shelf and write your initials in it. I don't know what you like to do with books. So the great news here is that you can do all of these things with an array. And this is because data structures have specific operations that can be applied to that data. Just like how you might want to add or remove to a bookcase, you can do that with an array. Different data structures have different operations that you can do on one kind of data structure, but not on others. One of the other things you can also do is go to a specific index of the array, which just means a certain place in your bookshelf and remove a book from that or add a new one. Let's say that like me, you have the complete Twilight book series in 2019 and you know, you've got Twilight in the first position, New Moon in the second position, Eclipse in the third position, and of course, the best book, Breaking Dawn, in the last position. Then, 2020, Stephanie Mayer understands that the world is falling apart, and so she releases Midnight Sun, which, if you're uncultured and you don't know what that is, that is the first book from Edward Cullen's perspective. So, logically, you want to put it between the first book, Twilight, and the second book, New Moon. So what you would do is with an array, you can super easily insert Midnight Sun into the second position, and then New Moon is 
move to the third, and the rest shuffle down in their positions. Wow, you're really going to spike some new moon breaking dawn sales after this goes live, Orti. The Twihards have already been spiking it on TikTok, don't worry. God, really? Is that a thing at the moment? It's been a thing for two years! (laughs) You're on a different side of TikTok to me. You're on Twilight TikTok. I'm 100% on Twilight TikTok. So why do we need data structures? They're important in computer programming for organising, managing, and storing data quickly and efficiently. They mean that we can have consistent ways of doing things. So that means that we can carry out consistent actions on that data. So for example, back when we added Midnight Sun to the bookshelf, the actual code to insert a book in the middle of the bookshelf already exists and is optimised for efficiency because we use the array data structure. So we just need to call that code. So the difference between data types and data structures is data types refer to the classification of data, so like a number or a string. Whereas a data structure is a particular way of storing and organizing data in a computer program so that it can then be used efficiently. Okay, so we've talked about variables, data types, and data structures, and a bit about Taylor Swift and Twilight. We understand that a variable is like a container our code uses to hold information, and that variables can have a data type, like number or string, that tells us what we can do to that information. We also understand that we have data structures, like arrays, to help us store data and do common actions. Next, we're going to jump into explaining basic logic and how computers actually make decisions. Code is read by the computer line by line, like how you would read a book. The computer will eventually hit a point where a decision needs to be made. This decision could make the computer jump to a completely different part of the program, or it could make a piece of code that could be rerun again, or it could just skip a bunch of lines. It's kind of like one of those choose-your-own-adventure books. If you want to fight the beast, go to page 44. If you want to roller skate to safety, go to page 60. Oh my god, yes, I loved those books when I was little. But I would always, like, make a decision and then die, or, like, I wouldn't like the outcome, so then I would just go back and make another choice. Pretend it never happened. See, I used to be so prepared to that. I would always, like, use my fingers to, like, hold where I made the last decision, and I would end up having, like, all my fingers on tabs of the book so that I could go back if I didn't like the choice I make. And now, to this day, I'm still super indecisive, and I think that was probably the first sign. But unlike us, the computer has a strict set of rules to decide which direction to go. A few things are used to control this flow of logic, including conditional statements, loops, operators, and functions. Next, we're going to break down each of these terms a little bit more and help you to understand them. So firstly, we've got conditional statements. So these are basically if statements that allow you to add decisions to code which are conditional on something else. So if this is true, then do this, but if this is false, do something else. For example, you know the computer in Clueless. Everyone's seen Clueless, right? It came out in the 90s, so don't worry, no spoilers here. (laughs) The code behind the scenes might say, if the colour of the top doesn't match the colour of the skirt, display the mismatch message and do not let Shia wear that outfit. But if the top and skirt do match, go to the part of the code that projects what Shia will look like in that outfit on the computer screen. Next up, we have loops. So a loop is a way of repeating a section of code for different values without having to write the code out many times. We have two main types of loops, for loops and while loops. So if you have a sequence of data, like an array perhaps, you can use a for loop to iterate over the data. 
For example, you could have an array called fruits and that array contains entries for apples, strawberries, and bananas. You could write code that reads for each fruit in the array, print out the words fruit yummy yummy. So then you would get apple yummy yummy, strawberries yummy yummy, bananas yummy yummy. And now I sound like a wiggle song. <laughs> fruit salad. <laughs> yummy yummy. yummy. Um, uh. We also have while loops, which are used to repeat code while a certain condition is true. For example, on a messaging app, you could have a piece of code that computes while you're typing on your computer, display typing on the screen so the person you're messaging can see that you're typing. Next up, we've got operators. So operators are basically let you do things with variables, such as calculations or logic. So in maths, we have operators like plus, minus, multiplication or division, and those can be used for calculations. We also have logical operators like and, or, and not, and these can be used in combination to make conditional if statements. For example, let's say you have a list of songs by T-Swizzle and my favourite, Lana Del Rey. You could write a line of code to return songs written by Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey, which would be only their new song, Snow on the Beach, or you could write a line of code to return songs written by Taylor Swift or Lana Del Rey, which would return all of both of their songs. And finally, we have functions. So functions are a super important thing in software. They allow you to define a section of code with a name so you can run it in different places in your code, again, without writing the same thing many times. I think now's a good time to highlight something that's really important in writing code is you wanna make it easy to read and understand. And functions are a great way to break your code up into smaller pieces that are easier to understand and also allow you to reuse those pieces more easily. So you can think of it like a relay race. So we have main function. They'll start with the, you know, the tar- b- baton, baton of baton. I think it's baton? Yeah, the baton of control. I don't think either of us did athletics. Did no, we? I did not do athletics. <laughs> Our examples are Taylor Swift and Twilight. Like, why are we using athletics now? <laughs> I've just thought, you know, I'm trying to, try to capture the sports audience, you know? <laughs> so for all sports fans out there... <laughs> It's kind of like a relay race. The main function will start with the baton of control and then it will pass control over to functions as they are needed. For example, let's go back to Cher and her program to pick her outfit. She might have one function to sort through her skirts and tops, one function to figure out if they match, and then another one to display matching outfit on the screen. That means that every time the program runs, the control starts with the sorting function and then once it has a top and skirt, it passes control to the function that decides if they match. And then if it does, it then passes the baton of control to the display function to show on the screen that the outfit matches. And the great thing about this is if we wanted to add another thing to the program, like, I don't know, matching shoes as well, we can still call the same matching function and display function again, rather than having to write out all that code again. Ooh, I love it. Reusable code. So these are a few ways you can control the flow of logic of a computer program. Moving away from logic onto another fundamental programming concept is syntax. So just like the English language, computer programming follows a syntax or a set of rules that define particular layouts of letters and symbols. And different coding languages have different syntax, just like English has different rules to French. A common example is just like with sentences ending with a full stop, 
in a lot of programming languages, you end a line with a semicolon. And this just tells the computer that it's at the end of a line of code. And if you forget a semicolon, you may as well have like sacrificed your entire family. The computer will be so mad at you. <laughs> it's like the silent treatment. The computer will literally just like stop doing what you want it to do just because you forgot a, semi a single semicolon. There's also a lot of brackets in coding, which is kind of random. Like you have normal brackets, you also have square brackets and the little squiggly brackets, and they're all used in slightly different ways. So for example, let's say that we wrote a closet computer program like Sharehead and Clueless, and we wrote that in JavaScript. You go to the function that randomly picks an outfit, and a squiggly curly brace is what tells the computer that the function starts there. And finally, onto tools to help you write code. Debugging, comments, and IDEs. Starting with debugging. So this is the process where you actually run your code on a machine step by step to see what is exactly happening in each step. Where you might use this is, for example, let's say you've made a calculator just to add two numbers together. And for whatever reason, you keep getting the wrong answer and you don't know why. What you would do is you would debug that program by running it and debug it line by line and go through and check, okay, did it do this step right? Did it do that step right? And maybe you found out, oh, it's actually just multiplying the numbers instead of adding. What a silly calculator. And that would be called finding a bug. A bug is basically an error or a defect in the code. It's something you'll hear a lot in coding. Something can be described as buggy, which just means it's got lots of errors and strange behavior happening that's unexpected. So you use the process of debugging to find bugs in your code and to get them fixed. The next thing we're going to talk about are comments. So comments are literally text in the code that isn't read by the computers, but are actually designed to be read by humans. They make it easier for you and other developers to understand what your code is actually doing, or to stop a line of code from running when you're testing. For example, for a complex piece of code, you probably want to explain what you're doing so that the future developers who add to your code don't hate you and spend like three months just trying to understand what the code was meant to do. And sometimes it's also useful when you add something that doesn't seem entirely logical, but there's like a business reason behind it. And sometimes you're just like, even to the day sometimes I see code from like five years ago saying hey this is here because of xyz and it gives people a bit more extra context which is nice. Moving on one of the key tools that programmers use and one of the most common places we write code is in an IDE which stands for integrated development environment. These are applications used to write code it makes coding easier because it has added features like code completion, which is like autocomplete on your phone, but with code. And you can build your code in it. You can debug, which we all know what that is Ooh, now. Oh, I just learned that. <laughs> and it also has syntax highlighting, where it uses different colors to show what different parts of your code are, and that makes it easier to read. For example, variables might come up blue. So whenever you see something blue, you know that it's a variable. So those three things, debugging, comments, and IDEs, are three key tools developers use when writing code. Well, congratulations, you have officially made it to the end of Coding 101. And this really does deserve a congratulations because we've covered a lot of content today. We covered some of the fundamental concepts related to computer programming, and we hope that now you have a bit of a better grasp on them. We defined a few key ideas, including variables for storing information, data types for specifying the kinds of values that can be stored, and data structures for collections of values. 
We also explained core logic flow and how the computer makes decisions using things like conditional if statements or for loops. And finally, we introduced the concept of syntax or the sets of rules for programming languages. And we talked about some useful tools to use when programming. Our next episode will dive more into coding languages, including what coding languages are popular and what we recommend for getting started. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a rating and subscribe to Hot Girls Code wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, under hot underscore girls underscore code to keep up to date with the podcast and learn more about software development and being a woman in tech. Thanks for listening. Bye.